I'm going to continue, and you're going to have to listen quickly um, so that we can just stay in point here with what, with what we're doing today. Um, I'm going to continue in our message survey on identity. Um, who do you think you are? We're going to just kind of go there a little bit today. From a little bit different angle, we're going to look at the church in Rome, the early church in Rome, and I think glean some real good insights as it relates to identity. And we're going to kind of cover the, the, the facets of us in our identity being, be, being given two things, privilege and authority. Say those two, two words with me. Ready? Privilege and authority. It's really important for us to understand identity, and these two words are really tied deeply to that, privilege and authority. And really, when we grab a hold of this, we're going to move even stronger into responsibility. With identity, we are actually given a responsibility to do something with it. Our lives are meant by faith to actually do good works. Not the other way around. Do good works and then hopefully faith comes along later. No, it's by faith we'll do good works. So we're going to take responsibility. And I believe that God's going to really speak to us out of these uh, portions of text. Romans chapter 1 verse 5. Let's kick it off there. Paul is writing, and I love his, his writings. He says, through Christ. So there's that accomplished work, right? What he has done. God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell you, but we're included in that leadership as well as, as followers of Jesus, to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them so that they will believe and obey Him, bringing glory to His name. Now, privilege, just to give a little definition here to set some context, is a right granted as a particular benefit advantage or having favor. How many of you like to live from the place of advantage? I think it's really helpful in this life to have the wind at our backs, not the wind at our face, right? And so that's what privilege is all about. When God gives us inner identity, whether we realize it or not, he gives us privilege, but he also gives us authority to flow from that favor in this definition, that means to have power to influence thought. Did you know that he who tells the best story wins? That's true of culture. There's stories being told to us all the time. And people are buying into those stories. And so we have been given privilege or favor to be positioned to execute authority, to have influence thought, belief systems, opinions. Most importantly, behavior by the grace of God. Remember, we went years and years ago when we first moved down to South Florida. We went on a trip to Ghana, Africa. And it was an awesome trip. We raised um, up a team and, and we had like over $200,000 of medicines given to us to distribute. And um, a friend of ours was over there helping us on the ground. But then God breathed some favor over our time there, where uh, through happenstance, I ended up meeting with the Asante king of Ghana. And what was really interesting about that meeting with him is normally you have to speak through, I can't even remember the name of the person, you have to speak through somebody else to speak to the king. So the king's sitting like right across from where Wendy is for me, but instead of speaking to the king, I have to speak to this person, and then the person speaks to the king, the king speaks to the person, the person speaks to me. 
But for whatever reason, the guy says, hey, we, we don't need that today. I just want to conversate with you face to face. And God granted favor in our time with him. True story, where the next thing we know, he's given us all of his vehicles, military officials, to be assigned to us where we could go from place to place and distribute these medicines to the people. Because of the favor that he had given us, the next thing you know, we're on the national news of the nation, and we find people marching and hiking from days away to get to our gatherings where we are dispersing these medicines. But... In that favor, he had positioned us. In fact, it was awesome. We'd just be riding in the, in the vehicles, and, you know, there's checkpoints in some of these nations, and they would just see that, that these, these were the king's cars, and they would just wave us through. And I think at one point I even saluted them like this, you know, as we went through. But it feels nice to have that kind of favor. You know what I mean? But then in the favor, God grants authority to change people's stories. And in the times we had a medical line, we had a whole system set up to, to, to help these people. But, but instead of waiting for them to get to the doctor, we would pray for them in these lines. We had a whole system. And I'm telling you the truth. A good majority of the people got healed before they even ended up getting to the doctor. And that's when the news of this got... It was amazing. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap. It's incredible. Authority is so powerful. Now, here's what Paul says as it relates to this in Romans chapter 1, verse 6. He says, and you are included among those Gentiles who have been called to belong to Jesus. To belong to Jesus. And how many of you know you can actually belong before you believe? There's process to actually come into what I'm talking about today. Hopefully, there'll be some awakening in our hearts as, as we go there in the word of the Lord. But this inclusion is a manifestation of faith. Now, I'm mentioning this for a reason. Look at this, what it says. It says, this good news tells us how God makes us right in His sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the Scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Now, look what was happening among the early church in Rome. We see this in verse 8. This is amazing to me. This is my dream for our community here in South Florida, for the Harbor Church. He says, let me first say that I thank God through faith in Christ, through Christ Jesus for you all. Look at this, what he says. Because your faith is being talked about all over the world. Imagine, this is with no internet, you know, no social media. And the power of both the privilege that was working through these people in Rome and the authority flowing through them, the, the word spread to all of the world because they were so rooted in this reality of identity. I want to give just a little history on the church in Rome so you can grab some context here. Scholars are not 100% sure on where the church, how the church in Rome came to be. They weren't 100% sure. Most hold to the belief that Jews who had been visiting Jerusalem were converted during the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and went back to Rome and influenced the five synagogues that were there at the time of Jesus. Makes sense, right? We see in Acts chapter 2, verse 5, where it says that there were devout Jews from 
every nation in Jerusalem. And we see in Acts chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, just giving documentation here, that there were Parthians, Medes, da-da-da-da-da, verse 10, and it says, and visitors from where? Rome. So God is strategic. God is strategic in spreading privilege and influence throughout the whole world. He has a divine plan. He sets things up. He orchestrates things. Now, historians also have have proved that these five synagogues, that they actually existed in the city of Rome because of inscriptions in the catacombs that were under the city. Have anybody ever been to Rome and and visited the catacombs? It's like burial places underneath the city of Rome. Rome's a fascinating city. But there's inscriptions, actually, of these actual five leaders that were living there at the time. Now, Cicero, who was the emperor right before the birth of Jesus, he actually wrote some statements about these people living in these uh, in, in the city of Rome that were a part of these five different Jewish synagogues. And I want you to kind of see these statements because what God was doing is he was cultivating a culture. Everybody say culture. He was cultivating a culture that was setting things up for the early church once the believers came back from Jerusalem to Rome to begin to exercise authority out of the privilege that they realized that they had been given in their identity. Now, look what, look what he says here. This is amazing. From Cicero, talking about the Jews in the five synagogues, he, you know, he says, you know what a big crowd it is and how they stick together. How influential they are in informal assemblies. Every year it was customary to send gold to Jerusalem on the order of the Jews from Italy and from all our provinces. That's from Cicero, Roman ruler in 59 BC. Now think about this. They were a big crowd. They were unified. They were influential, even informally. They weren't even trying to be. They were just naturally influential. And it was customary for them to be a generous people. This is, this is amazing right here because I want you to think about this. These individuals were former slaves that had been taken captive by Rome, by Italy, and brought to the, to the city of Rome. It goes to show that, man, no matter what our beginnings are, there is potential to grow and to increase to be unified as one body, to be influential in culture, and to have generosity. It's amazing. So these emancipied, now emancipied Roman citizens, who were liberated eventually at one time by their owners, bore the title Libertini. I love that. They they, they even were called people of liberty. People that were, it was, it's amazing. Just even the, the name over them was their destiny to set other people free. It's incredible. A little deeper into Cicero's accounts. Look what he says here. They have a house of prayer and meet together in them, particularly on the sacred sacred Sabbath, where they receive as a body of training in their ancestral philosophy. So they were praying together and they were receiving training in settings like this. I also, when I did did a little more research, I found that there was historical accounts documenting the fact that they were able to maintain unity as one community across five synagogues um, by gathering in different locations of the city, meeting together in homes, and sharing meals from house to house. So 
there, there's, there's reasoning, you know, behind the, re, the, the, the grace that was on their life, that they were unified, they were growing, they were expanding, they were connected, they were committed, they were breaking, breaking bread together. I'm telling you, listen, if we just start to hang out with one another and have meals, we might just have a revival. Seriously. Like, we need to get out of our business, start thinking about people that we need to have over into our home, and just sit down over a meal, and let's see what Holy Spirit might do. Let's start getting connected with one another. Man, it was happening among the Jews in this time. They were having gatherings and groups taking place in homes. Now, look at how intentional they were. Cicero said, this is a documented account by a Roman emperor. He says, they collect money for sacred purposes. In other words, they found something to be holy that they were giving treasure of themselves to. And they said, and from their first fruits, they would send to Jerusalem by persons who would offer sacrifices. So their prosperity, their generosity, I believe, was tied to this kind of giving. It's, it's, it's amazing to me. But why did they do all this stuff? Here's my deduction. I believe that they knew the privilege of God over their lives. That they didn't look at themselves as slaves. Because how can slaves become this? They never looked at themselves through that lens. Listen, you may be in whatever circumstance uh, that you may find yourself in. It may be good, bad, horrible. But the, the, the problem isn't with our circumstances. It's how we look at ourselves through those circumstances. You're not a slave. You're not a castaway. You're not forgotten. You're not, you're not second class. You are favored by God. You are called to walk in the authority of the Lord. You carry the Godhead on the inside of you. They knew their privilege. They knew that they had, they had a benefit, advantage. They knew that, that they had power to influence thought. In fact, did you know that the Roman Emperor never allowed this? They, they allowed them to practice their Judaism. When every other group they squashed out during this time. But they, they, they had favor to be able to exercise what was in their hearts. Now, I believe the fruit of their identity that we see here documented by Cicero had um, purpose strategy um, uh, for what God was wanting to do through these people. Um, that we, let's, just, let's just read this here in Luke chapter, chapter uh, 14, verse 28, because they were, they were actually they were counting the cost. You know, when we're, we're talking about being responsible, we say, man, we have privilege, we have authority, we need to really count the cost. Look what Jesus says about this in Luke chapter 18, verse, uh, 14, verse 28. He says, is there anyone here planning to build a new house who doesn't first sit down and figure the cost that you know if you can complete it? Or later in, in chapter 14, verse 31, or can you imagine a king going into battle against another king without first deciding whether or not it's possible with his 10,000 troops to face the 20,000 troops of others? Here's what, here's what I feel God, God is trying to show us through the early Roman church and through these, these uh, verses uh, that Jesus was given in the, in, the, in the book of Luke. I believe God is setting things up where we're going to take a look at two primary realities. What is it going to take to build in a foreign, hostile territory? Number one. Because if we're down here in South Florida, and this represents Babylon, if you will, what is it going to take to actually build in a city like this? And then number two is, what is it going to take to go into battle completely outnumbered? 
Well, it's going to take favor and it's going to take power. And I believe that they were counting that cost. They were all in and they believed it by faith. Let me see if we can get some impartation here. When we're moving forward in what God's called us to do, I believe there's these moments. I remember Alan Platt was talking about this when he moved from having faith for a church to having faith for a city. In other words, instead of believing for the chairs to be filled, he was looking for the city to be transformed by faith. And he said everything began to shift when he moved into that other realm. When he understood, man, we are favored by God. We have the wind at our backs. We have an advantage in the cities that we live in. And even though we're outnumbered, we can still take the land. Are you following me? So God needed to fashion this culture in their hearts, this realm of their identity, to prepare the way for these future Christian believers who would rise from their midst as the word of God came back from Jerusalem after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Because, you see, the reign of Claudius in AD 41 to 54, he was going to ban all religious assemblies in the area. If you look at, like, What's going on around the world, man? There's always been positioning and, and God setting things up so that when trying times come, we're still able to reign in the midst of them. Like, let me give you an example. We talk about economic challenge or economic collapses. Listen, there's always been ups and downs. But I tell you what, God doesn't want the church just to excel in the ups. He wants us to excel when things are down because we're rightly positioned in favor and authority. For real. We're not just called to reign when the, when the housing market is up. We're called to reign when the housing market is down. We're positioned to buy when everybody else is selling. And we're positioned to sell when everybody else is buying. Are you following me? It's that kind of positioning. So Priscilla and Aquila, I don't have time to go into this, but they were, they were some of the leaders that had counted the cost. Look what Paul says about them. He says, give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila so they're... Priscilla's the husband, Aquila's the wife, my co-workers in ministry of Jesus. And these were one's position in Rome. He said, in fact, they risked their lives for me. I'm thankful to them. And so are the Gentile churches also giving greetings to the church that meets in their home. So when, when Claudius outlawed all assembled gatherings, which were permitted during the time of Cicero, they were positioned and ready. And the glory of God actually only increased. This is the crazy thing about the kingdom. We prosper and function in great authority and great influence when things are awesome. And we actually even get even better when things are worse and more challenged. What? That's exactly how it works. So we win either way. Like, don't look at the bad times or what you're going through like, as oh my God, the world. No, get some faith on the inside of you to see who you really are. I mean, you're either favored or you're not favored. And I'm just telling you, you are favored. A hundred percent. You either carry authority or you don't. And I'm telling you, you carry more authority than you even realize. I mean, my goodness. The biggest problem is we need to be awakened in the church to actually who we are and whose we are and what's at our back and what's on the inside of us. 
It's amazing. So as I close, I just want to look at these practical things that we can do to posture ourselves. Because I believe God is wanting to posture us. Posture us in our identity so that we can, we can live out the same kind of faith. Um, it's, it's right here in the same context. We're just going to read it beginning in chapter 16, verse 5, in, in the latter part in verse B. He says, Paul says this. He says, greet my dear friend Epinetus. I want you to pay attention to this. He says, he was the first person. Now, he's talking about salvation, but he was the first person. Everybody shout first. Everybody shout first again. Don't be afraid to be the first person to do something. Like, I'm telling you, there's stuff... That is just over. I just felt this so strong when I was preparing this message over so many lives that you're waiting for somebody else to do something when God is saying you may be the one that's supposed to be the first person to actually do this. It's time for us to begin to take some risks of the community that flows out of the place of identity and that is exercised by faith. We have to live a risk-filled life. And sometimes that means going it alone, if you will. Not going on your own, but going alone in terms of what it means for you to step out and say, hey, this is what I feel like God is asking me to do right now. The second one is this. Look at verse 6. Next verse. He says, give my greetings to Mary, who has worked hard for your benefit. I don't know how this is going to come across in a spirit-filled church. But how many of you know that we are called to work hard for the benefit of other people? We're not here just to get our our, our Holy Spirit fixed. If we're called to change cities and for our faith to be known around the world, we are to give ourselves and work hard, not for us, but for other people. So we, we take the risk, and we're the first person that's just going to step out there and do something. You know? And we're going to do it because we're not, it's, there's, no, there's no gain for us. It's, it's really about blessing other people. I know this is super practical, and hopefully the anointing is still in the room. Can I get an amen? Look at, look at, look at number three. He says in verse seven, Greet Adronicus and Junia. My fellow Jews, converted Jews, by the way, amazing, who were in prison with me. They are highly respected among the apostles and became followers of Christ before I did. Here's number three. Be willing to suffer with your friends. Listen. Advantage and privilege and even authority, favor, anointing, on the front end, comes with great release and great power. On the backside, it always comes with great persecution as well. But if we unite together in this and see, I'm with you, you're with me, we can go way far together than we ever could in, in, in the strength of ourselves as we agree to come into places of suffering with each other as our friends. 
Because we are going to take hits. We are going to be misunderstood. People are not going to get us. There's going to be, you know, people saying different things about you and I. And, and you listen, you're going to have to be willing to take that hit for the cause of the gospel. Can you imagine the faith they had when they stood their ground, when everybody else... Because, see, it was all good and well in the time of Cicero. But it wasn't so awesome in the time of Claudius. But it was the time of Claudius that they were being prepared to actually reign in their favor and in their authority. Because even though they shut... Listen, even though they shut the meetings down and they went into homes... And some of them even got exiled out of the city. The gospel grew even more. (laughs) But they were willing to suffer. We see this in Priscilla and Aquila. We see it here in Adronicus and Junia who were highly respected. You know, at the end of the day, people that just try to save face and want to be loved by everybody, no one really respects that type of person at the end of the day. Who they respect is someone willing to take a stand for Jesus and take a hit and keep on going by the grace of God. Those are the people whose faith is known all around the world. Last one. He says in verse 17, and now I make one more appeal, my dear brothers and sisters. Watch out for people who cause divisions and upset People's upset people's upset people's. Listen, you got to understand the division is not an issue of one person against another person. This is not a flesh issue. This has nothing to do, actually, at the end of the day with that person, although whatever force may be working through them. It is meant to rob someone's faith from buying in to what God has for them in the moment. We need to be super aware of this. And that's why Paul says, watch out. He says, stay away from them. So the last thing is this. I believe that we need to be vigilant to guard against division. Because we like the Jews who are being set up for the gospel that was soon to come to them. They were growing in number. They were unified together. They were exercising generosity in their midst. They were influential in their community. And here's why. Because there was a man by the name of Jesus who came from heaven favored by the Father. He had the wind at his back. He carried great authority. In fact, wherever he went, people's lives were changed by the glory of God. They were transformed wherever his feet stepped into their presence. And this man, he went to the cross and he took a hit for a bunch of his friends. His body was broken and blood spilled from a pure and sinless sacrifice. 
And the greatest gift was given to the world when he rose again from the dead. To those believers who were weak, who were afraid, who were terrified, they were given a gift of faith to believe that what was begun on that tree would one day end in a garden. A garden city of Babylon transformed by the power of the gospel. It began with faith and it will end with faith. Lord, there's some people in this room that are called to be first. That are called to do something that they've been waiting on somebody else to do. As we take today, would you empower them to step out, take the baby steps, God, to move forward. There's some people in the room that have been working hard, but they've been working hard for themselves. And they're called to work hard for the benefit of others. Lord, would you get us out of our own world and get us into the worlds of others? Lord, would you give us the capacity to run together in such strength as a family that we'd be willing to suffer with our friends? That we'd defend someone else instead of yes and amening conversations that we should never be involved in in the first place? Just to save face, God, would you break that off of the church in general over this region? God, would we stand for other pastors? Would we stand with, with other denominations that are under attack right now? Would we stand with other brothers and sisters in our church that we know and we know their character and their integrity? And yet that spirit is trying to come and steal people's faith. Would we be vigilant? to stand against division. We have been united in the Godhead through the death on the cross and we've been united with one another. Maybe you're sitting out there today and you don't know Jesus in this way. You didn't realize, wow, that there's a personal access and relationship that you can have with the God that created you. I want before you take communion for you to say, Lord, come. Take hold of my life. Be my Savior and my God. And may I follow you all the days of my life and plant within me this day faith. Faith to begin and faith to stay and faith to end. Maybe this message has touched you in some way. You feel God speaking to you because He's speaking to your identity privilege and authority all slave mindsets broken all inferiority gone in the name of Jesus all realms of comparison that have kept you down disappearing right now in the name of the Lord maybe you have something going on in your body an infirmity that's holding you back Let's take all of us, those who are coming to salvation, those who are going deeper in their identity, those who are being healed, let's eat. Let's eat of his body. Go ahead and take. And the blood that was spilled that has made you the righteousness of Christ. Well, Darren, I don't feel righteous. It's not about your feelings. 
It's about fact. And there is a fact that cannot be denied that Jesus died for all. And because of that death, all have been made new. Thank you for the washing. You see, all this is is remembrance of what has already happened. It's a recalling of what has been finished and completed. So we drink today and we say thank you, God, for this scandalous gift called the grace of God, the good news of the gospel. We love you. Healing in bodies. Healing where there's been tumors or blood disorders or depression. Come on, just open up your hands. Healing where there's, where there's been discouragement in souls. Healing where there's been feelings of inadequacy. Come, Lord. Do your thing today, Lord. Would you stand all over this room as we close. We're going to have our ministry teams come up here. And even though I prayed for you, we want to be here just to stand with you in any way that you may need someone to stand with you and just walk out whatever's going on. There's no request um, too great or too small to come and just have someone stand with